Welcome to the audio version of Bogard Press's Through the Bible Adult Study Guide. Being true to the Word, Bogard Press has aided in the discipleship of thousands for over 100 years. Of those 100 years, the Through the Bible Adult Sunday School literature has been a staple to many. Join us as we listen to the Through the Bible Adult Study Guide with writer Brother Mark Clements. So grab your Bible and let's get started. A Deliverer to Lead From Exodus 3 and 4 Application The student will respond to God's call to service and follow his leadership. Seeking the Context When a church prayerfully seeks a new pastor, the process can take a very long time. The congregation will ask many questions of the candidate that range from his doctrinal stances to how he spends his free time. If the members of a church feel God leading them, they will extend the call and the minister must decide whether God is leading him there. Both the church and the minister must agree whether or not it is God's will for the minister to lead the congregation. This is a time of much prayerful discernment since both the church and the minister must consider God's desires above all else. When God wants someone to step up and lead his people, He makes his will known. In Israel's case, the people were in bondage and desperately sought deliverance. Today's text will show us how God selected Moses to lead at this critical moment in history. Moses grew up privileged under the care of Pharaoh. He was never forced to experience the cruelty of slavery which his fellow countrymen endured. Moses knew his roots, however, and identified with the Hebrew people. At the age of 40, Moses observed an Egyptian beating a Hebrew. When Moses thought no one was looking, he killed the Egyptian and buried him in the sand, defending his fellow countrymen, Exodus 2, 11 and 12. The very next day, Moses observed two Hebrew men fighting and tried to intervene. When Moses did, The one doing the wrong responded with anger at his meddling and asked Moses if he would kill him in the same way he killed the Egyptian. Realizing there were witnesses to his act of murder, Moses became afraid. Before long, word came to Pharaoh that Moses had killed an Egyptian while standing up for an enslaved Hebrew, so the king gave word to have Moses executed. Fearing for his life, Moses fled many miles to the land of Midian. Exodus 2:13-15. The Midianites were distant relatives of Moses. Midian was a son of Abraham born to his wife named Keturah, Genesis 25:1-2. Moses probably chose the land of Midian to which to flee since he knew he would likely find a friendly welcome. Not only did he find a friendly welcome, he also found a wife named Zipporah who was the daughter of Jethro, or rule, a priest. Over the next 40 years, Moses established his family in the land of Midian. As Moses dwelled in Midian, the Jewish people grew more and more oppressed under Egyptian rule. The Pharaoh who helped raise Moses died, and the grief of God's people worsened. Exodus 2, 23-25 tells us that as the Hebrews groaned under the weight of slavery, God heard them and knew exactly what they were facing. 
Today's text highlights God's plan for delivering his people through the leadership of Moses. God's people needed rescue, and he chose to use a human being to guide them to safety. Why is it important to study the deliverance of Israel through the leadership of Moses? Searching the text. Number one, God calls for deliverance. Exodus 3, 1 through 10. Now Moses kept the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the backside of the desert and came to the mountain of God, even to Horeb. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. And he looked, and behold, the bush burned with fire, and the bush was not consumed. And Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush is not burnt. And when the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called unto him out of the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, Here am I. And he said, Draw not nigh hither. Put off thy shoes from off thy feet, for the place whereon thou standest is holy ground. Moreover, he said, I am the God of thy father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look upon God. And the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people which are in Egypt, and have heard their cry by reason of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows." And I am come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians, and to bring them up out of that land unto a good land, and a large, unto a land flowing with milk and honey, unto the place of the Canaanites, and the Hittites, and the Amorites, and the Perizzites, and the Hivites, and the Jebusites. Now therefore, behold, the cry of the children of Israel is come unto me, and I have also seen the oppression wherewith the Egyptians oppressed them. Come now therefore, and I will send thee unto Pharaoh, that thou mayest bring forth my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. As Moses led his flock up Mount Horeb, God revealed himself to Moses in a supernatural manner, catching Moses' attention with a burning bush that was not consumed by fire. God knew Moses' curiosity would lead him closer, and when Moses drew near, God called Moses' name. Moses responded to God's call, and God warned him not to come any closer, since Moses was in the very presence of God, and the ground on which he stood was holy. As a sign of reverence, God told Moses to remove his shoes in God's presence. God then identified himself to Moses as the God of his father Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Moses may have had doubts about his true identity, having been raised an Egyptian and missing out on a Jewish upbringing. God, however, reminded Moses of his Jewish heritage in God's identity as the same God Moses' forefathers worshipped. He was the same God who promised to bless the world through the seed of Abraham, and it was time to deliver God's children into the next phase of fulfilling that promise. God revealed to Moses and to us his compassion for his people. He knew their affliction, had listened to their cry, and responded to their sorrows. God decided the time was right to deliver his people from the bondage of slavery and lead them to the land of Canaan and he determined to send Moses as the leader. 
God could have miraculously delivered the Hebrews from slavery himself. Truthfully, he did not need Moses or any other human to bring about the rescue of his people. But he called Moses to rise to the challenge of leadership. In God's rescue plan, he required human involvement. The fact that God would be moved to rescue his people through the leadership of Moses demonstrates his steadfast love. The Hebrews were God's chosen people. Not only did they hold a special place in his heart, they also had the responsibility of representing him to the world. The oppression of God's people, then, sends a distorted message to the world about God. Deliverance from God is a demonstration of His compassion and His holiness. God still has love for humanity oppressed by sin. Jesus told Nicodemus that God loved the world so much that He provided deliverance through His only begotten Son, John 3.16. Those of us who have received salvation have an obligation to represent Him well and to show the world how to be freed from the bondage of sin by faith in Jesus Christ. Number two, God defines his authority. Exodus three thirteen and 14. And Moses said unto God, Behold, when I come unto the children of Israel, and shall say unto them, The God of your fathers hath sent me unto you, and they shall say to me, What is his name? What shall I say unto them? And God said unto Moses, I am that I am. And he said, Thus Shalt thou say unto the children of Israel, I am hath sent me unto you. Whether his response exhibited true humility or not, Moses reacted to God's command with a question of exasperation, asking, Who am I? Moses expressed disbelief that God would select him to go to Pharaoh and bring the Hebrews out of bondage. Maybe it was true humility or an attempt to deflect God's command, but either way, God did not answer his question. God simply reminded Moses that he would be with him. Moses' identity mattered little when it came to godly obedience. What mattered was who would be with him. Perhaps you have felt the overwhelming weight of responsibility as God selects you for different kingdom tasks. Whether it is fostering a godly marriage, raising God-fearing children, serving the community, leading a congregation, or simply sharing the gospel, your success will not be defined by your identity or past, but by whether or not God is with you. Moses next asked God what he should tell the Israelites if they asked him what God's name was. This was a valid question given the polytheism that was rampant in Egypt at the time. God's response to this question was less of a name and more of a quality. His reply came from the Hebrew root word hayah, which means to exist or to be. From this word, we get the name for God transliterated in English, Yahweh, or I am. Moses learned quickly that his success in this endeavor would only come about as he learned who was really in charge. God's name demonstrated for Moses that he is self-existent, not dependent upon anyone or anything else, that he is the creator and sustainer of all life, that he does not change over the course of time, that he will never stop existing, and that he would be with Moses. 
Whatever burden God has laid on your heart, your success depends on your faithfulness to God as you submit to His authority. God is the one who calls us to follow Him in obedience, graciously involving us in His kingdom work. In order to enjoy our life's purpose and calling, we must yield to Him daily. How do you submit to God's authority? Number three, God eliminates our excuses. Exodus four ten through 12. And Moses said unto the Lord, O my Lord, I am not eloquent, neither heretofore, nor since thou hast spoken unto thy servant, but I am slow of speech and of slow tongue. And the Lord said unto him, Who hath made man's mouth? Or who maketh the dumb or deaf? or the seeing, or the blind, have not I the Lord? Now therefore go, and I will be with thy mouth, and teach thee what thou shalt say. God told Moses exactly what to do when he returned to Egypt to lead the Israelites to freedom. Exodus three fifteen through 22 As soon as God issued the orders, Moses began giving excuses as to why he might fail. Moses was convinced they would not believe him, So God showed him a few supernatural signs he would empower Moses to perform in order to convince his hearers. Exodus 4, 1-9 Moses' next excuse pertained to his inability to speak eloquently. Moses knew Egyptian authorities possessed a famous ability to speak well, and when he considered his own ability, Moses was concerned that he would not be able to rise to the challenge. Perhaps Moses had a legitimate concern. Certainly, many people who God has used over the course of history to speak for Him have faced challenges in oration. The difference, however, comes when we consider that God is the one who empowers those who speak for Him. God reminded Moses that He, the self-existent I Am, created man's mouth and determines whether or not it functions properly. The logic here is that since God created man— He would be the one to determine how effective man would be in his labor. Since God called Moses, he would empower Moses. We are often quick to seek excuses as to why we should not attempt certain tasks for the kingdom of God. Obviously, it would be wise to consider the cost before attempting any biblical ministry, Luke 14, 28. But before we decide whether or not we could be successful, we must consider whether God has called us to it. If God has called us to accomplish a task for His glory, it can only fail if we refuse to participate. In our effort to succeed in our spiritual journey, we must remember God's definition of success for His stewards is faithfulness. 1 Corinthians 4, 2 When we give excuses to God as to why we would not be successful to accomplish a task to which He has called us, we are actually demonstrating our doubt in His ability, not ours. We should celebrate every opportunity God gives us to participate in His kingdom work. Instead of retreating in fear or self-doubt, consider that if God has called us to the work, He will be faithful to complete it. Philippians 1.6 None of our excuses are legitimate reasons to disobey God's calling in our lives. What excuses has God eliminated from your life? Setting the application. When God determined it was time to deliver His people from slavery in Egypt, 
Moses was the perfect candidate to speak for him. Moses had his doubts, probably mixed with a little trepidation, but God's plan to rescue his people would not be thwarted. The fact that God chose to utilize human involvement in his rescue plan shows his overarching purpose of showing people their need for a savior. God had delivered Moses from danger as a baby in Egypt, and now he would use him to bring deliverance for the rest of his people. God uses delivered people to deliver people. If you have been rescued by God's gracious hand, rest assured he wants to use you to bring deliverance from bondage to the people around you. God can use every one of his people, no matter his abilities or inabilities, since God is the one who created us and knows everything about us. No excuses hold any weight when it comes to obeying God's call to bring others to the Deliverer, Jesus Christ. How can you celebrate and share God's deliverance in your life? Thanks, Brother Mark, for sharing such great truth with us this week. Join us next week as we take another look at God's Word with Brother Mark. Don't forget to join us daily on our Through the Bible daily devotionals on our daily devotional blog at www.bogardpress.org. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.